Welcome to the Family Bible Journey. Whether you're a first-time listener, one of our regulars, or one of those who has committed to journaling with us through the Bible, thank you so much for listening and making us a part of your day. This is episode 28, season 1 of the Family Bible Journey Old Testament podcast. Today we're looking at Genesis chapter 35. The title of today's podcast is Sustaining Promises. Our key verses from this chapter are verses 11 and 12, where God said to Jacob, I am God Almighty, be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall come from you, and kings shall come from your own body. The land that I gave to Abraham and Isaac I will give to you, and I will give you the land to your offspring after you. The word of the Lord. In this chapter, we are going to see that God blesses and renames Jacob, but he does so on the eve of the loss of two of the pillars of his life. Both Rachel and Isaac are going to die before the end of this chapter. God is going to relocate Jacob, quite literally, moving him now to Bethel. Is it possible that his family decides to move because of the violence there that had happened in Shechem? Certainly. We know that God uses earthly events to accomplish his eternal purposes. But whatever Jacob's earthly motivation is, We know that he moves his family to Bethel, and there God appears to him. And for the first time in a while, I have a green highlighted verse in chapter 35. Uh, For those of you who are journaling along, if you're using my system, green just means that it's an important passage. And Genesis chapter 35, verse 3 is one of those passages where Jacob says, Let us arise and go up to Bethel, so that I may make there an altar to the God who answers me in the day of my distress, and has been with me wherever I have gone. Jacob has his family literally do away with all of the idols. Remember those idols that Rachel had hidden from Laban? We don't know what other idols people from the camp had accumulated for themselves. You know, these idols represented those false gods that people were putting their hope in and their faith in apart from the one true God. So Jacob literally buries those gods, collects them all, buries those idols under a tree, and then he moves to Bethel, and there he builds an altar. And we're told that as he is journeying, that God put a terror around all of the communities through whom they were passing. Again, is it likely that what Simeon and Levi had done to Shechem got out? Absolutely. But this fear that the others fear of Jacob and his family, it is a supernatural fear. This is another way where God is intervening to bless Jacob and to keep him safe and bring him to the place where he wants him to be. And there God appears to Jacob again. And God says to him, beginning in verse 10, Your name is Jacob. No longer shall your name be called Jacob, but Israel shall be your name. So he called his name Israel. And God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall come from you, and kings shall come from your own body. The land that I gave to Abraham and Isaac I will give to you, and I will give the land to your offspring after you. Then God went up from him in the place where he had spoken to him, and Jacob set up a pillar in the place where he had spoken with him a pillar of stone. He poured out a drink offering on it and poured oil on it. So Jacob called the name of the place where God had spoken with him, Bethel. So God has brought Jacob full circle. When he had left his homeland originally, he left as a fugitive, fleeing the wrath of his older brother. Now he is returned as a man who is old. He is seasoned. He is advanced in years. And God has demonstrated his faithfulness to Jacob over and over and over and over again. And let us not miss that in this blessing of Jacob, 
that God affirms many of the promises that he had given to Abraham, that he had given to Isaac, that he now affirms in Jacob. These same words, Jacob has now heard from God over and over and over again. And we as the people of God living today, if we want to hear those promises of God over and over and over again, we have the wonderful gift of God's written word that is always available to us. You see, back then they didn't have the written word of God. All they had was oral tradition. Jacob told his sons these stories. They told their sons these stories. They told their daughters these stories. And so the faith was handed down generation after generation in a verbal form. We take for granted many of the advantages of technology. One that we take for granted more than most, I would say, is the printing press. There are many people today who say that paper is a thing of the past. It's a relic of the past. There's no need for printed word. Well, I think that as long as there are human beings, there is always going to be paper, that there is always going to be this form of communication because it is a powerful form and it is a medium that connects with our hearts and minds differently than many of the digital media that we read today. I read a fascinating study, and we are stepping completely outside of the realm of biblical anything right now, a fascinating study about how a university took students and they had students read the very same text. Half of them read it on paper. Half of them read it on digital media on a screen and had these students take the very same test. And what they found is that the students who read the text on paper scored higher on the test when it came to questions of cognition or understanding or making sense of the bigger narrative, the meta narrative, so to speak. The people who read the same text on the digital media, they scored higher when it came to factual answers, but they did not make as much sense of it as the people who had read it on paper. And I think that is fascinating. And I think that it's one of the reasons why people are so combative in fighting over facts. You know, when I was a kid in presidential elections, we didn't have fact checkers. Now all we have is fact checkers and people will seize a single sentence, a single word, and they will attack it as false and untrue. And that is a reduction of our society and is a reduction of human relationship that is a part of us relying almost exclusively now on digital communication where there is still a place for paper. How the mind processes and assimilates this information is affected even in the way that we are taking in this information. Of course, I probably sound like a really old head of um doing a podcast about journaling through the Bible, which means lots of paper, lots of ink. Um, but nonetheless, even if you disagree with me, I would love for you to at least consider some of the points that were just made as you are thinking about human relationships and how the way that we are communicating affects the way that we relate to one another. So God has appeared to Jacob. He has renamed him Israel. He has blessed him again. These promises are being handed down faithfully to this next generation. And the rest of the chapter then is the death of Rachel and the death of Isaac. We're told that Rachel goes into labor while they are traveling and she dies while giving birth to her youngest son, Benjamin. We're told that she was buried on the way up to Ephrath, that is Bethlehem. And you can still actually go to Rachel's tomb today. It is right there. There's only six miles between Jerusalem and Bethlehem. And there is a wall actually that separates Jerusalem from Bethlehem because of the violence that has been experienced there since the 60s when Israel took the eastern part of the city of Jerusalem. And the first time they built that wall, 
They actually built it so that Rachel's tomb was on the Bethlehem side of the wall. And this is such an important place for Jews to visit that when they rebuilt the wall, they actually made the wall jog out and around to encompass Rachel's tomb so that Jews could have safe access to that holy site. It's fun to see how historic realities change our current reality, and that is just living proof of how important this particular place is to the Jewish people. Israel, we are told, journeyed on and pitched his tent, and we see that before the end of Isaac's life, Esau and Jacob are there with him and that they bury him together. And so we're going to see another split in this family line. Esau's descendants are going to be numbered in the next chapter. They're going to kind of go off and fill the land of the east, that land that is much of what we would consider modern-day Jordan, and it is ancient Edom. And the story is going to focus even more on Jacob, who is Israel, and his descendants. But reflecting on the fact that Jacob, having had these promises of God reaffirmed to him, loses two of the dearest people in his life, in his beloved Rachel, and his faithful father, Isaac. We're going to conclude today's podcast with a blessing that maybe you can hold on to when you lose a loved one. Have you decided to journal through the Bible, whether for yourself or a loved one? Please let us know through the contact form at familybiblejourney.com so that we can send you some encouragement and add you to our list of folks who have committed to journaling through the Bible with us. Our blessing for today. When God takes your loved one from you, may you find your hope in the promised resurrection, knowing that in Christ Jesus, there are no goodbyes, only see you laters. Amen.